Saints Radio is on the air. You sound like Big Tex. I know. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the State Fair of Texas. Uh, Howdy, folks. Man. Big Tex got a makeover. I, I think after his head blew off or yeah, burned after, off. After, yeah. His head literally burned off, and uh, which was devastating. <laughs> so they they refurbished his head somehow. And they gave him a makeover, like a, a wardrobe makeover. Put him in some new Wranglers. And, but I read the other day that they're about to give him another makeover. So who knows? He may dress like Luke Benichon and have a French accent. That's right. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Welcome. Mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? I would love it. We had to sneak Luke into the booth. We could put Luke's face up on Big Tex. Oh, that would be perfect. Tell Olivia to get going on that Photoshop. <laughs> um, For those of you that don't know who Big Tex is, we have a state fair in Texas that is the best state fair in the world. Our state fair is a great state I, fair. Honestly, I, I, since the time I was a baby, have not missed the state fair. And my dad... Many of you don't know this, but he was a milkman when I was growing up, and uh, he has worked at the he worked at the state fair for many many years at the milk booth. Like he would take the the two three weeks off, and he would run the milk booth at the state fair. So I would ride in the milk truck to the fair, and it was such a big deal for me. I mean, it was just so much fun to sit up in that big old milk truck and. And yeah, so I just have these great memories Aww. as a kid of growing up at the state fair, and it's just like I'm not big on tradition, but it's a tradition. Like we don't miss it. In fact, this year, because I was still on crutches, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I got one of those scooters. Oh, really? Yes, and. You know, the ones that they have at Tom Thumb at the grocery uh -huh. stores, which I've also done at the grocery stores. At first, I thought, there is no way I'm ever doing that. <clears throat> but you know what? Sometimes you just have to. So, But they had the nicest. They were like they were like Maserati scooters. They were super nice. So I would pull up next to, like, an elderly man who was in his, his scooter, and I'm like, you want to race? <laughs> I was having a big time with that. So anyway, don't miss the fair even when you've got a broken foot. Yeah. So Big Tex, how tall is he? Like thirty feet tall? Oh, at least. I think he's as tall as the as the Eiffel Tower. Oh. Well, I was hearing an interview of the guy who was the voice of Big Tex when when Big Tex caught on fire. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how he was doing his routine today in the. Livestock Pavilion. You know, he's talking about these things. And somebody came running in the booth and says, Big Tex is on fire right now. <laughs> and so apparently he's just, the statue's just blazing. And and he's still talking. <laughs> Hello, oh, folks. He was? <laughs> yeah, because he didn't know. Oh, my gosh. I remember I was actually at North Park Mall when that happened. And somebody who knows how much I love the fair sent me a video. Maybe it was you. I don't know like from the Channel 8 news of his head on fire. And I, I, honestly, I had to stop and like say a prayer. I mean, I was, I was devastated. It was quite a scene. Oh, man. But there must be all kinds of electrical wiring and stuff inside of him, so he probably just had an electrical fire, maybe. Yeah, there was some kind of a short that happened. And, and uh, I don't remember where it was on his body, but he just ignited. When Kelly was just little... I, she would hear him talk and so I'd have her go over and stand right under him <clears throat> and then I would fake his voice behind her talking to him now, I mean talking from him to her and she was fascinated and I think that lasted for a couple of years and then she wised up and realized that was her and dad was, and not it was dad well you know growing up you, if, when you go to the fair and you're a little kid, I don't know if you guys did this, you got the talk on the way, and that was, if you get lost, go to Big Tex. 
that's what all the kids, I, well, I'm not assuming all the kids did that, but yeah. that's what my family would always tell me is if you ever get lost. So it was kind of a safety thing that you mm -hmm. knew that Big Tex was a place where, where you could be safe. And so. Yeah, and it was center and it was in the middle of the, the grand concourse of people walking there. So. Oh, Ruby just said Big Tex originally came from the town I lived in, Karens, Texas. So that's where he was born? Huh. Or I didn't he know that. I didn't even know there was such a place. But if Ruby was born there. Well, she wasn't be, born there. Has to be. Oh, she wasn't? No. Where she, she was from. She ended up there. Ah, the story of Ruby McClure. See, there, there are so many who, who weren't actual born there Texans like you are. Yeah. And, um. Well, anyway, that's big text talk for the day. And anybody that's listening, <coughs> I know Haley, you're listening. If you ever want to come to Texas when the state fair is going on, I will personally escort you in my my cart. <laughs> we'll both rent little carts and we can just scoot around. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's always funny. We're telling this is big text talk. <coughs> my girls they had no desire to go down on the midway and spend money in the Your kids the games. did not have that? No, they didn't care about that at all. Neither of my daughters cared about spending money on all those games. Oh, my gosh. We would get there, and within 15 minutes, we'd been through $500. <laughs> they were interested in the food pavilion, going into the car buildings. Well, that was probably getting your influence. Up, getting up in the cars and getting up in the back. I mean, they just had... A, blast doing that getting dole whip eating different things going down to the petting area going to the, the dog show all of those things that's what they like to do so when kelly got married fabian's group always went down to the the games yeah. so there was this two clouds coming together of what what they were going to do when I can't believe that. I can't imagine those girls not liking to play those games or ride those rides. No, I didn't seem to have too much interest. Maybe because we, I'm, not, I'm just saying, maybe because we went to amusement parks mm -hmm. and they were used to. Yeah, but little kids, a ride is a ride. I mean, if it has wheels and spins well, and goes on a. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I, my kids were just. <laughs> I want to ride this. I want to ride that. <laughs> in fact even olivia i mean she gets on those rides that twirl and twist and go upside down and the last time i got on a ride with her it wasn't a disney the ride i got i mean i rode on it disney was fun the teacups no <laughs> just teasing um she got me on a ride at the state fair that honestly i thought every one of my limbs was going to fly off and end up in another city literally i mean i it was just flailing me everywhere, and I thought, if I make it off this ride alive, dear Lord Jesus, I'm never leaving the ground. <laughs> That's the last ride I got on with her. She also got me on the bungee jump, which is that thing that, this wasn't at the fair, this was somewhere else, but where they put you in that, that, that cage, and you're down, and then all of a sudden they push the button, and the, the cage like shoots up in the air, and then it just like bounces like that for 15 minutes she got me on that too and that girl i think she's an evangelist because she can persuade me to get on things that i do not want to do anyway wow. we should talk about spiritual things now yeah <laughs> well, you know we have to do a little bit of chit chat just to just to warm up a bit and and plus to to scatter any people that are just not really fully committed. If they can't handle the chit-chat, they probably need to go on and watch Days of Our Lives or something. The Young and the Restless. Yeah, the Young and the, <laughs> the, young and the Restless. You don't have to be young to be restless. I've learned that. It's funny because when I was, I think, in high school, I watched The Young and the Restless, or maybe before high school, I don't know, and then into college, and then stopped watching. And then when I was 40 or 45 or something, not that I'm even that old now. And I remember like it coming on or something or seeing it and maybe I was sitting in a waiting room or something. And it was the same people. Oh. Like the same cast. I, I just, I marvel at that. 
but uh, you know, just that how they are. Yeah. So anyway, perhaps some people have already abandoned the broadcast because they uh, they can't handle the big text talk. But long live big text. We're very happy to be up here in the booth, and um, we're very grateful that you are joining with us today. Um, I wanted to make a public service announcement to many of you, and I'm not going to linger on it too much. But those of you who have hearkened to our advice and got the Olive Tree Bible app that you can also use on your computer, they sent an email yesterday giving away for free. I mean, that's how you give away something. Smith's Bible Dictionary, which is normally 20 bucks, But between now and December 31st, you can get it for free. And it's it's kind of an odd thing because when you go, you have to you have to act on the offer. But just check your email because if you've registered, they should have sent you an email stating, get this free Bible dictionary. That's one of the ones that I'd never purchased. Um, nothing wrong with it, but I just, how many Bible dictionaries do you need? But some of you, if you want that, look for it because it's free. See, you're earning, you're getting, you're getting dividends from your investment in other ways. So that's the public service announcement. And what is the name of that Smith's. dictionary? Smith's. So you can just remember because we have a Smith family in the network. They do. So I don't know if David's face is on the <laughs> on the front of it. It's a dictionary that he wrote uh, from his perspective as an Alabamian or Alabamian or um, somebody who is a transplant into Florida to so he can give insights. So the David Smith Bible Dictionary is free this month. So don't miss your chance to obtain it. Any other public service announcements? No, no. And so this is these are these are Hebrew and Greek words. No, no. It's just a Bible dictionary. So, so like, like, if you wanted to look to see if Big Text was in the Old Testament, you could enter Big Text, and if he's there, they give you a little article on him. Okay. okay. So it's not a word program. It's okay. it's just like Easton's or Holman or one of the other ones. Webster's. Yeah. Well, that. Well, according to Webster's Dictionary, I done looked that up, and there it is. Okay, now you must be big Texas cousin. Remember, remember, <laughs> remember when uh, people were going to Brownsville, and those some of those evangelists were selling Webster's 1848 Dictionary? Remember that? Yes. A lot of our men bought those because they wanted to know what the original words were, not those progressive words. Yeah. Oh, man. But, you know, Bible dictionaries are kind of interesting. Like if, you, if you're if you reading and you want to know what Emmaus was, you know, the men on the road to Emmaus. What was Emmaus? Well, you can go to one of the Bible dictionaries and it'll give you a little snapshot of what, you know, what that city represented, who founded it. I think that's very it. interesting. So, you know, it's a nice little thing to have. I have a prophet's dictionary. You do? Yeah, I think it, somebody gifted it. Somebody gave it to me as a gift. It's a big dictionary. It's called the Prophet's Dictionary. It's got all the... It's How's all, it different than a normal dictionary? I don't know. Does every entry begin by, Thus saith the Lord, or no. Yea, my people? It or? doesn't. It doesn't. Maybe it just has more heavily... Or may, I don't know. Brother, I'll, you've I'll, been on my heart I'll, I'll all night. Like, no. That kind of thing that starts it. <laughs> For the Lord, for the Lord would say, Emmaus Remember when we went was to CI and they were training us to be prophets, and they told us that we had to start every prophecy with, "Thus says the Lord." Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my daughter, my son. <laughs> of course, I think one of the funniest thing was when Yawali was joined on one of the CI uh, prophecy Yowaki. things. And yeah, I wasn't gonna say his name, but oh, Bill Lackey said Not Bill Lackey. Bill Lackey saw his name and said, My daughter. <laughs> well, it kind of blows the rest of the prophecy right there. <laughs> oh, 
That's so funny. Joe Ali. Joe Ali. Gosh. Well, obviously, the ch I don't know whether this is chit or chat, but it's still going pretty well. I can pretty much tell you what it is. <laughs> Maybe something other than those words. Hey, summer has returned here to Dallas. It was 77 degrees yesterday, and it's pretty warm. Pert near, it's pert near, pert near 80 out there today. Yeah, it's warm. It's like an Indian summer. And I was looking at the weather, and it says in a couple, maybe at the end, at the end of the week or early next week, the high is going to be like 79, and the low is going to be 34. And that, and that, I mean, only in Texas do you get that kind of crazy, no wonder we're all taking sinus allergy medicine. Yeah. Well, it gives you kind of a taste of a lot of things. You know, we don't get the big snowfalls, which I do miss. You know, when you move to Texas, you really come into something that is really great. And, but, you know, like if you come from another part of the country, we're not that. I guess if you went to some places, like if you went up to Abilene or someplace like that, they get hit with tornadoes and, and snowstorms and stuff like that. But, you know, I miss the parts of winter where you can be out playing in the snow all day. I miss that. But I miss that for my grandkids. I missed it for my daughters. But I don't miss when that snow's been on the ground for five weeks and it's all dirty now because cars have been run through it. I don't miss that at all. I don't miss having to shovel snow. So you kind of trade it off. But um, I do appreciate the fact that it's nice out, even though uh, it seems like whatever happened yesterday triggered all my oak trees to dump all their leaves. So I've suddenly got four inches of leaves everywhere after the lawn guy did all my lawn on Friday. So now all of a sudden you've got this, but that's great too because I can scoop it together and my grandkids can go and dive into them. Well, they, I, they did as of last year. I'm not sure. They may be too, too big of a girls to do that now. I just thought they used leaf blowers. I didn't, <laughs> which never really made sense to me because I think the guy, the lawn guys, come to my house and they blow the leaves. I think they mow them. Mulch them. Mulch them. But the ones that are all around the deck and the. Oh yeah, and you gotta blow those. Yeah, so they blow them. So where do they blow them into somebody else's yard? Well, you know, like Where what I go? see through Lakewood, people, these lawn guys blow them out into the street if they don't mulch But then them. they just end up in somebody else's yard. Well, could be. So, no, reality. So now my yard guys are doing my yard and my neighbor's yard, which is fine, even though now they're there for three hours instead of an hour and a But I'm thinking they're going to have to blow them, like, this way. Yeah. Or else, yeah. It's really interesting. Well, we used to, you know, used to have to rake them all and put them in bags and put them out. So a lot of people still do that. But I, th I see the benefit of mulching them and getting that nutrient back in the ground. <coughs> it hasn't hurt my yard. But um, whatever happened the last couple of days has just released my red oak tree. And they, those leaves are just everywhere. So anyway... Ah, get the Bible. Let's turn to the Smith's Bible Dictionary and let's just put our finger on entries and believe that that's our prophet Bible for today. Uh, there's a lot of activity. To say there's activity in the spirit realm is kind of goofy to say because there's always activity in the spirit realm. The point, though, is, is that there's a difference between function and pivotal moments. There's always a pivotal moment somewhere, except for when the 30 minutes of silence in heaven goes on. <coughs> and basically, that means that activities were suspended for that amount of time. Now, I don't know why that is. That's probably some offering before the Lord. You know, Bishop Hammond said that that was for all the prophecy teachers to update their charts which I think is kind of funny. 
but um, there's always stuff going on. But for us, there's been a lot of, let's say battling, contentions in the past couple of days. And um, I know that it has to do with the positioning, to some degree, belated promotion that's been contested. Um, the doing away with enemy strategies that have been defeated, but the enemy doesn't want to let go of them. And um, there's a lot of that cleanup work that's being done while we're sewing ahead into the new season. And that's that's been happening over these past couple of days in a more pronounced way, in a more... Um, discernible way at least for me and you know this has really been an extended season of girding up and yielding ourselves transitioning gaining uh, bearings <coughs> for the new and um it, it truly has been unlike any other season that I can remember in the past 30 years. Which doesn't say a whole lot. That's just a snippet of time. But for us, being humans, that is a long period of time. We've had a number of major points of pivot and transition. But this has been unlike anything um, that I can recall. So... What say you? Did you find a, a Bible verse to redeem us? <laughs> well, no, that doesn't go along with the pivot. <laughs> I've never heard that word actually used in the Nematocaust concept or um, mm -hmm. context. In our, in our the pivot. colloquial words. Yeah. So. A, a pivot, really, to me, like in baseball, a pivot is when you get to a point, you've got to transact something, and you've got to move quick, and you've got to move decisively. And so, I think we're experiencing a number of those right now. And it can almost be dizzying because you you can lose your bearings if you don't keep your, your focus on what your objective is. And just about the time you think that you've got your, your course online, which is really the elemental progress. I mean, God teaches you how to align your course. And then once you get going, you, you can have that linear progression. But getting to that in these waters has been really difficult. I mean, there are, there are forces that have come against us that have been released for this hour by God's permission that have been reserved and by the enemy, he, you know, in his, in his arsenal that he kept for this time. I'm not giving credit to the enemy here, but these are just weird days. You say, how can one survive? You know, even the scripture talks about, you know, the things that are unleashed that God said enough of that because if I don't stop it, the very elect won't survive. That's my translation. But we're seeing some of that. And you can find peace in the midst of it, but you really have to gird yourself up. And I think that's why God's been emphasizing over the past few years the, the vital nature of our spirit within. That has to be the control of our life. And that's why, like on Sunday when we talked about how Jesus grew and how he developed, that's the very first and the, the priority um, that has to be in line. And so, because otherwise your, your mind will, will go off kilter and your emotions will go and you'll let your body dictate things. You know, we're all getting... The years are, we're not old and decrepit, but we deal things as you get older with your body that 
you didn't normally. If you if you let your body control what you do spiritually, you're done. You've got to overcome. Right? Oh my gosh. I mean, if if I if I've learned one thing these last couple, well, this last year is that very thing. It's and the Lord just started just illuminating that passage about um, out of Hebrews about the race that's set before us mm-hmm. and you know and the Lord just very not in a rebuking kind of way but just in a very gentle but very stern kind of a way began to minister to my heart and say this race has nothing to do with whether or not you can even walk this race has everything to do with your spirit and and yeah I mean we have to be able to go into the nations and we have to be able to to um to go as he sends us, but our spirit man and our 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 positioning at the throne according to his will and obedience and that that's that's where the race is won. That's where the race is run. And 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 through our prayer language, through our spirit praying through us. And I, I you know, I, I, I'm really so thankful. You know, it, it's hard I mean, to, to find myself thankful for the challenges, but I am, because I feel like through it, and, and I can speak, I'm sure, for every one of us, through those trials that affect us physically or in any other way, we, we mature, and if we surrender to it, if we submit to However, the Lord wants to turn it to good and use it for His purpose, and and our you know His strength is made perfect through us. So, I totally agree. I do think that we are, and we've you know we've talked about this. We've been talking about this. We haven't so much applied and activated it, but we've been talking about stepping into a deeper measure of um, perception and interpretation and the processing of some of these things that you're talking about so that we can gain tactical strategies on how to overcome them as a body mm-hmm. and so every single one of us needs to not just be aware we talked about this a little bit on Sunday how you know this is kind of an enlisting thing where the grace is here. The Lord is laying this out for us to step into deeper measures of, you can say it's his wisdom. You can say <clears throat> just um, more clarity in our interpretation. Um, but, it, you know, it's like with any measure of grace. He, he provides the grace for the moment we have to step into it and partner in it. It's like everything with him. I mean, he gave his son, saved us, but unless we actually step into and accept it and begin to walk as a son, you know what I mean? So it, it, there's a proactive nature to it, and, and he's really, I think, tapping all of us to consider this and to, um, to enlist. And, and it's risky because... Because it's stretching, and and it's this, but it's the spirit. It's not your intelligence. It's not your how smart you are. It's not how savvy you are with your words. It's the spirit, the spirit man connecting with the spirit of God and allowing Him to use you in that way. And this is an absolute necessity for the saints. And you know, when I think about the seminar in March, I think that. When I look at where we are now and, and, and where we're going to be then and the, the ways I think that we're going to be able to apply this, even in March, I think it's going to be extraordinary. I really do. Um, and now I'm, like, talking prophetically, but you know what I'm saying. <coughs> so, I mean, God is, God is providing. And, you know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago I, I started just sensing this not just this outpouring of his spirit, but just 
the really the nudging to open up and receive from him with the full understanding that what we receive we are really called to pour back out in service to him and um I, what I was going to read, I'm not going to read this whole this whole passage, but I was studying about this this morning about the parable that Jesus taught about the ten, the five, and the one, and about stewarding the things that He gives us and how important that is that we do that. Because, I mean, He says some pretty hard things in this. You know, the one that He gave ten, who invested it and used it, He gave He gave you know authority over more cities, and then the one He gave five did the same. Then the one that he gave one, put it in a handkerchief and didn't do anything with it. And then the Lord took it away from him and gave it to the one that had ten. And said, you know, that he has, well, let's see. Hold on for me just a minute. For I say unto you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not, even what he has will be taken away from him. And I think that just doesn't pertain to money, right? I mean, that has to pertain to him as the Lord, the king, entrusting us with the treasure, which to me, beyond anything, is his spirit. And how we use that is so important. True. Yeah. So, anyway. Well... I I think that's a that's a word for all of us um, because whatever your whatever your fivefold predilection and we all have we all have certain things that are more prominent in who we've been made to be. I think every one of them, every one of those qualities are being tested right now. For instance, like a prophet. Um, you, you think about the prophets in the Old Testament <coughs> and how each of them had a different time frame, a different uh, scenario in the kingdom in which they dealt. And somebody like Jeremiah who we call the weeping prophet, you know, he's up and then he's down. He's up and he's down. But what time was Jeremiah ministering in? He was ministering at a point where you know, what Israel was was in the was somewhere bad, and they were going to be sent off. And the the turmoil in the spirit realm at that time was such that <coughs> you had to stay constant where. Like somebody like Samuel, he he dealt with things that were going from really basically a beginning point. It shouldn't have been the beginning point, but it was the beginning point to the time of the kings. That was a different scenario for him. It was a different frame of ministry. You know, someone like um, Isaiah, who was kind of like riding a, a constant that was up and down where one king was there and then the king was gone. Another king was there and gone. They, the kingdom wasn't being dissolved at that point. So he just basically was kind of on a loop. And he was powerful. He was on a loop. And maybe that's why God gave him at that time the prophecies about the coming of Jesus that were unlike anything anybody else had seen. Um, maybe it was that appeal to every one of those kings uh, to commit themselves to the Lord and be what to be what God really wanted that kingdom to be. And over and over again, there was like a reset. But Isaiah ministered in that, and that perhaps is why that offer of Emmanuel, a virgin conceiving. But when you come to Jeremiah, things were about to go get flushed down. And he was up and he was down. And he was up and he was down. And, and I think we're more in that time 
than we are in any others. Now, Jesus said the greatest born to women was John the Baptist. That could have been for a number of reasons. First of all, because he had the opportunity to, to welcome Jesus, which is the greatest anybody could do. Don't we have that saying? As friends of the bridegroom, yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, the old covenant was ending and the new covenant was beginning and if there was ever a time where a prophetic voice had to die that was it I mean, the old covenant the covenant of the law was done and the new covenant was coming in so you had to be dying then so the reason I'm talking about this is, and I never really thought about this before is that prophets should operate on the same continuum, but they will function differently according to the time frame that God puts them in. And like if you're if you're transitioning from old covenant to new covenant, to some way as friends of the bridegroom, we're ministering that way, but we're also ministering almost like Jeremiah did, because if you've not been paying attention, the world that we've known is being disintegrated you know mm -hmm. you see things that are happening in our government you see things that are happening in the world you see things that are happening have happening in christians <coughs> like you know this past weekend there was a great vote that went on in the methodist <coughs> churches and almost 500 methodist churches in texas said enough of this rainbow nonsense we're getting out we we this is not biblical so they voted to leave i know that's happening in other parts of the country you see that happening in other churches too um this progressivism is just demonic and you see like uh the wonderful democratic party is trying to force through a codifying of of LGBTQ marriages before the end of this year, before they surrender both houses. And there was a congressman from Texas that was putting something forth to say, look, you got to put in this bill that religious values, churches cannot be held accountable if they don't want to participate in that. And the Dems shot it down. This is going on in the past couple days. And now, again, people are going to do what they're going to do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to bash on any letter and any sexual preference or gender orientation. People are going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to have to be accountable before God. You know, I, it used to, when I was growing up, you would see people that smoked like chimneys. And people would preach from the pulpit, maybe not in the Baptist churches, but at least in our churches, you don't smoke. You don't, don't use speak, tobacco. Don't chew, don't Run with those, those who do. do. Yeah. And to me, I thought, you can't escape smoking. If I just go down the street and curse everybody that I see smoking, then that's all I'm going to do. If, if, you know, you warn them. You tell them this is going to damage you, even though at that point you didn't know how much it was damaging them. Then that's your that's your call. The same with drinking, same with drug use. You know, if you can't legislate morality, so I'm not going to be on a crusade to to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. If the scripture says this, live the scripture. You have an, you're going to have to have an account for what you do um so uh, you know i'm not going to get up and bash people i think a lot of the things that we see happening now are more designed to destroy belief in god than it is to allow somebody to do miscreant behaviors you know what i mean yeah so if you, if you want to live a lifestyle where you're flamboyantly off the wall, where you're a cross-dresser or whatever, you're going you're gonna to pay for that in whatever way judgment comes. But I'm not going to damn you for it. But I sure am angry if you're going to want to go and teach 
my little grandson in his grade school how to become that. So it's, it's not like you want rights to be what you want to be. It's like in our world, you want to corrupt the young so that they become like you. That's a problem. But I, I live my, I guess maybe I live my life being told that just about everything was wrong. And there are things that are wrong. But the most important thing for me is you're going to have to give account for what you do. And you're, you're going to, when you stand before God, you're going to have to give account. And if there are people trying to teach that the word of God is not God's word, yeah, I'll fight against that. If there are people who, who are wanting um, to send my granddaughters into a, a bathroom where there are men standing there naked, I'll fight against that because that hurts my family. But if, if people want to do, listen, people are going to do wicked things. They always have. You're not going to be able to stop them. But I think in our world today, it's all coming to a head. Boy, I'm off on a tangent here. No, I was thinking, Bail me out. No, I, I was just thinking about um, in Scripture where, where um, the woman is there with the unjust judge. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, this is Jesus' story. And he says, um, he tells us that we, we must, we're always to pray, prosukamai, and not faint. Like, uh, what is that? I, I haven't studied that in a while, but I think it's a kakos word, kakos. So it's maybe to, to just to bow out and just tolerate, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, so we're supposed to always, and that's always, as you've said over and over again, that's always, like at all times, we're supposed to pray through these things. But anyway, so she goes to the unjust judge to be avenged, and because of her persistency, he grants her <coughs> what she's asking for, and then Jesus, of course, comes in and says, um, he does the same thing for us. He will be, you know, he will um, stand for justice for us as we always prosugamai, as we bring that before him prophetically. And I just think so much of these things that you're talking about, we have a responsibility to, to pray through yeah. and to partner with the Lord on behalf of his justice being known on this earth. That, that's part of our role as intercessors. Right. And it requires us to, even though it's so easy to become faint at heart, in the midst of the corruption that we're just in the middle of, oh, yeah. we have to remember that that prayer will overcome that. I mean, that that is our remedy. Yeah. And it's always, it's, it's without ceasing. And, and I, I don't know, I just... I've always loved and then of course he ends that I think that's when he ends that where he says when I come will I find faith on the earth which has always kind of puzzled me that he ended with that but I don't know where yeah. Yeah. will I find my people still being willing to be before the right hand of the throne um, that's no what's the, going on that's the big issue and you know I see Boy, I could get off on preaching because I want to talk about three different passages in this discussion. But you know, if you don't realize right now that your very existence before God is at risk, what what are you what are you surrendering? What have, what are you abandoning for what God called you to be? Um, I, I, it's it's really it's when like when Jesus went to his disciples in Gethsemane. And he made those appeals. Could you not stick with me here for at least an hour? I mean, I, that was the apex of all scenarios. So I'm not saying we're there. But this is a crucial hour. And sometimes, honestly, I wonder where our army is. And, and it, it can be discouraging. So... Uh, that I'll get off that. Like when Jesus, the woman who was found in adultery, and Jesus is writing in the stand, <coughs> sins, and all these accusers are peeling away. <coughs> what did Jesus say to her? 
Okay, where are your accusers? I'm, I'm not going to condemn you. You go and live right. Um, you, you're not, in other words, you're not going to get anywhere by just being a voice of condemnation. Or even the guy that he healed who was lame and he said, be healed, uh, go and don't sin anymore. Uh, we don't hear the full expanse of what he told that guy. I'm sure that there was some discussion. Look, this came you because of this. Now stop that behavior or, or worse things going to come. Um, but it was a remedial kind of thing. And, and then in the Old Testament, there are all those passages that says if, you know, if you see a brother or whatever, or, or it was the Old Testament, and you don't warn them, the, their blood is on your head, and that goes on and on and on. But, you know, that is for people in your circle that God gives you a warning to deliver to, to them. And if, and if you don't deliver it in that way, then you have a responsibility. But it doesn't mean you got to be out on a street corner with a big sign, repent for the end is near. Um, I, I appreciate those who feel that's their ministry. If you feel like you should do that, knock yourself out. Go and do it. Get your placards ready. You could be like the guy on Spin Instagram them. that's the dude with the sign. Have you seen him? No. He stands. I think he might be in New York, but he stands with the cardboard sign that he wrote with Mark's a lot. And it's just the funniest things because he just... He just puts the funniest things on these signs, and he just stands there like this. And then, anyway, I'll show you. Remember the John three sixteen guy uh -uh. that would have the big wig with the well, all the colors in it, and he'd hold up the sign that said John three sixteen at sporting events. He would be in the camera angles, and he'd yes, lift that yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. If that's your ministry, fine, do it. But listen, I grew up hearing most of the sermons preaching against stuff, and. Maybe that's my revulsion toward that kind of thing. But I do say that we are alike in that time with John the Baptist and Jeremiah. The most important thing you can do right now is stay faithful, guard over your kids, guard over your household. But even like with the stuff that Musk has been revealing off Twitter, which is just abominable, which incidentally I heard that none of the legacy networks are really reporting on because they're in collusion with it. That's just abominable. How are you going to fix that? You, you're, there's nothing in the natural you're going to be able to do to fix that. It's, it's just as No Country for Old Men said, it's just the tide. It's just the rising tide. Remember that scene with um, you, you, you never saw that movie, did you? I saw the first twenty, like the first twenty minutes. Of that's because you're. That's because you're so pure. I couldn't stand. I that's because you're it. so pure. Maybe about the first ten minutes. But it's it is classic East Texas. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones channeled his Texan accent, and there's a famous scene where he he's a sheriff, and he meets this good old boy sheriff out in uh, some. West Texas town, and they're sitting there in the diner having coffee, and they're just talking in Texan brogue. He says, John Bob, if you'd have told me 30 years ago that I'd see a boy walking down a Texas street with green hair, I wouldn't have believed you. Tommy Lee Jones says, It's just the tide, it's the rising tide. And the other sheriff says, that, boy, I tell you, that's the truth. And, and they're just going on. There are things that are happening right now that are in God's timetable and wickedness, the darkness and the gross darkness. And if you spend your time just fanning at the darkness, you're going to wear yourself and everybody else out. We have to stay invested in what our calling is, and fulfill our righteous vision, which is what Jesus said to John the Bee. Let, baptize me now, fulfill all righteousness. What was he talking about? Fulfill your vision, what you're supposed to be. Fulfill what this time frame is, where old covenant is merging into the new. And you, you sum this up. We're there. And what, but what do we have to do? 
we have to do what we're supposed to do. Now, what was John the Baptist? He was preaching repent, repent, be baptized. What was that? Turn, metanoia, turn. Never metanoia, I didn't like. Turn, start doing what you're supposed to do. That's our message. You, you, can try to get, you can try to get somebody to stop doing some miscreant behavior. Maybe you succeeded, but what have you really done? Have you caused them to turn to what they're supposed to be doing? Probably not. I mean, you can, you can, you can stop a kid from hitting his sister on the head with a bat or a stick or the sister hitting her brother on the head. But have you really done anything? Have you put that boy to good use? Have you tried to show him what he should be doing? Probably not. So if you, if you keep dealing with, if you keep dealing with the symptom and don't address the root, what have you done? And in addressing the root, have you really caused that root to start producing what it's supposed to produce? Boy, see, don't you wish we were talking about big techs again? <laughs> it's just frustrating to me. I mean, I try to stay abreast of what's going on, and, and I do. I read a lot of stuff, as you know. But it just irritates me. And so, but with that irritation, then I become... I could become discouraged. I could become weary in well-doing. I could become frustrated where I think, what good am I really doing? And, and then just give up. And I think a lot of people are in that give up stage. That's being faint of heart, probably. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Back to Jeremiah. Back to Jeremiah. Jeremias as the Latin folks would say. I, I, always, I always liked the beginning of Jeremiah where the Lord is speaking to him, and I just think it's so beautiful. It's just, it's such a sad book, though. It is. You know, where he says, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Love that. Yeah. Well, it's you know. right there. Yeah. He wants to grab hold of it. I, I, think, I think like what we saw recently in one of the message where we're supposed to be focusing on the nations, focusing on... A, ruling influences that are governing nations. Um, but if you focus on what people do and what governments do, you're just going to be flailing. You may have some effect for a few minutes, but all you're going to do is wear yourself out. We're called to do war in the spirit realm and to cause our battle to be in faith as God directs. And I know that's where our calling, that's where the scriptures says we're to be. So that's what he says there. Mm -hmm. Speak to the nations. Mm -hmm. But at that time frame, what was he speaking to the nations? Israel was getting flushed down the, down the outhouse of the day. Well, here's what the Lord said. He said, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. <clears throat> it's just, it's so poetic, but it's also so powerful. Yeah. But the things he had to walk through and the, oh my gosh, the persecution that he went through. You know, when you get to the point where you're saying, Lord, just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't want to live in this anymore. That's being faint of heart. Yeah. You think you think about the gifts that we have that he didn't have. He didn't have Christ. He didn't have the cross. He didn't have the blood. He didn't have communion. 
He didn't have spiritual languages. He didn't have access to the throne to go at any time of the day. He didn't have any of those things. He just, God would visit him, speak to him, and then he would be out and about. Um, he, he didn't have the intercessory capacity that we have. I think he did it through weeping and travail. Those were offerings to God, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I can't say that I haven't been there a time or two. Well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and, and it goes on. And, um, you know, if, if we ever think that we can wrestle against flesh and blood, be they Chinese or whatever, <laughs> you're, you're wasting your moves. We should all accept a challenge. A challenge? Yes, I do. And, and, I, and I say this um, really in all humility, and I speak to myself as well, that, you know, you're talking about we, we can't gauge things by what we see in the natural. We have, we have to remember that we have to be spiritually minded, but also called as spiritual intercessors that have been given heavenly languages, spiritual languages that have no end, that are limitless. But when was the last time you actually went into intercession when you actually just completely abandoned yourself to the spirit wow. and to the depth of what God wanted to do through you? And, and I just challenge us today um, to, to, to be willing again to enter into times of intercession whether it be there alone in your prayer closet or in corporate intercession I speak that over this house that we would step into this house at times when God has called us Saturday morning was that way for me I walked in I was not expecting it I just couldn't sleep and I was stirred and I just knew to come to the temple so I I came in early and I was here by myself until you came in which was a great blessing and it just it's like I just got absorbed and <clears throat> but I do know that those those times are few and far between yeah. compared to the way that they were in the beginning yeah when you just walk in and you just fall on your face and it's just like that instant um, uh, connection instant abandonment to whether it's just in um prayerful I don't know thankful you know whatever it might be or warfare we need to remember that and yeah I think we need to give ourselves to that in this day ahead that's a good word <clears throat> and tomorrow night well, I mean we have a prayer time here tomorrow night and and I, I'm just believing that for us and for any one of you that that want to join in in that prayer time wherever you are um, in your own way and just 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 let the spirit have his way as we come before the Lord and just honor him for his goodness and his greatness and for for who he is and for for what he's done and and is going to do in the days ahead in and through us so amen well that's a good thank you for cleaning this thing up because <laughs> uh, we are out of time but God bless you. No, that's perfect. God bless you all. And I hope I didn't offend anybody by the things I said. But um, it listen, it's just so easy to go down a route that we all would say, yes, I agree with you. But that route only wears me out. I mean, it just does. Uh, yeah, it, there's a fine line between staying current in your understanding of what's going on but you better cleanse yourself once you finish that and don't just linger in it because it you'll start smelling like whatever you're spending time with amen, amen. well that's not a good word to stand <laughs> off with
So God bless you all. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thank you, Monica. Appreciate your very poignant words today. All right. God bless you all. Goodbye, folks from Texas. <laughs>